Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. and welcome to our online service. Whether you're a regular part of our service or you're just visiting today, it's so good to have you with us. Why don't you join us on the chat line and say hi and or send us a prayer request through. You'll see the link on your screen at the moment. You know, a verse that was resonating in my heart today uh, in preparing for this was found in Psalm 118 verse 24 where it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know if you've been a Christian for a while, but that was a song I used to sing as a child. And I guess it's just a declaration I want to encourage us in today. And with that in mind, why don't we open our service in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, we say with King David, this is the day that you have made. Lord, I just pray wherever anyone is that they'll have a real sense of your presence this morning. And as a church family, we want to just commit to you this morning all of our communities that are recovering from the floods. And we just pray that they're all able to access the help that they need to rebuild. And they'll have a sense that we're all behind them. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's my privilege this morning to be bringing the message to you with some of our graduating students from Bible College. So I hope that you really do enjoy that. And uh, for now, though, let's go into worship.
Doubt and disbelief are not necessarily the same thing. Or let me qualify that, are not the same thing. God doesn't condemn us for asking questions. I remember as a young Christian, or pre-Christian actually, even asking my mum questions about why we did some of the things we did when it came to our faith and our beliefs. But I wasn't asking because I didn't believe. (laughs) I was actually asking because I knew it was true and I wanted to understand, get a greater understanding of it. In fact, some of the most wonderful teachings of Jesus came on the back of questions. Today we're going to look at one of the most powerful statements that Jesus made on the back of one of these interactions with his disciples. And it is with Thomas. Now, when I mention the word Thomas, probably first thing that came in your mind was a word. <laughs> because he has, history has really branded him as Doubting Thomas. That's right. Uh, but Jesus didn't condemn Thomas for wanting to see the holes in his hands or put his hand in his side and feel that scar. And it was actually Thomas who asked the question that leads to the scripture we're going to look at today, which is found in John chapter 14, verse 6. Now, Jesus had been telling his disciples and they were trying to grapple with what was ahead. But he turned their hearts towards heaven At the beginning of John chapter 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You know, they were sensing something was on the way, that this isn't going to end how we thought it was going to end. But he turned their eyes to heaven. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And here's our scripture, John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's so much truth packed into those few short words. And this morning, I'm privileged, along with two of my Bible college graduates, Perry McIntyre and David Stonehouse, are going to come and help me unpack some of that truth today and we qualify that by saying some of that truth we're just going to scratch the surface but our prayer is that as we look at the words of Jesus in this week before Easter that our heart and our faith will be stirred as well and inspired and so I'm going to ask Perry to come up and have a chat to you about the way Thank you, Donna. Good morning, church. I think Donna laid a fairly clear foundation for us about where we're going to this morning. So I'll just jump straight in. You see, Jesus answered Thomas and tells him, you know what? You do know the way. You do know the answer. The answer is standing right in front of you. Thomas, I am the way, the way. The first thing we need to realize is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is saying, I'm the way back to God. I'm the way back home. Your heart is longing for home. 
You desire communion with God, and guess how you get there? I am the way. So in the brief time I have this morning, I have two points for you. The first one, Jesus, the immediate way, a savior. Firstly, we need to realize that we need a way. Looking at scripture, it doesn't take us long to understand why we need a way. In Job 14 verse 1, it says, man who is born of a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Also, Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 1, that before we become Christians, we are all dead in our transgressions and sins. You see, Jesus doesn't say that sin makes us bad. Jesus says that sin makes you dead. Last time I checked, dead is dead. There's no degree to death. It's final. You can't say someone or something is more deceased than another. They both have equally passed on. So humanity has a collective problem here. We have a craving that the ways of the world just can't satisfy. We think, if only I had more money, if only I had more power, if only I had more authority, I could finally achieve this and be satisfied. But you wouldn't. You would just crave more of what you already want, or of what you already want. We have a desire to be in communion with God, but the problem is that our inherent sin has caused a chasm, a deep abyss which separates man from God. God is perfect. God is great. God is just. And I just desire a way to God, but I can't get to God. So guess what? God came to us. He sent you his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to a cross, and the cross begins our pathway, our bridge, and our way back to God. He is the way from God to man, and the way from man to God. Because of this, Romans 11, sorry, Romans 6 verse 11 proves true. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. He's the way maker. He makes the way where there seems to be no way. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He isn't a way maker, he's the way maker. He's the way to the Father through salvation. And the exciting reality is that when we realize that foundational truth, that Jesus is the way, we realize that Jesus may magnify the way to the Father, but that's not all. It signifies the beginning of our journey with the Father. All right, is that good, church? Point two, Jesus, the way of the journey, a mentor. Acts chapter, one to two, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here... The way refers to Christianity as a whole. The first thing to note is that we as Christians are of the way, meaning we belong to God and are eternally His. Secondly, the name the way means that Christianity is more than a belief or a set of opinions or doctrines. Following Jesus is a way of living as well as believing. When we think of a way, we think of a passage, a path or trail. You see, Whilst we may have realized that the the divide between God and man has been bridged through the way at salvation, the ways we choose to do our life, our personal desires and ambitions, often convolute his planned purpose for our life. And Jesus, who's rich in mercy and slow to anger, even when we slip up and maybe fall a little bit off the path, he's there to correct. 
He's much like a GPS. When we travel somewhere and the place of the GPS, we, sorry, when we travel somewhere and place the GPS on a set route, sometimes we think we know better. We turn a different direction in pursuit of our wants. That's not the best route. I know a better route. I know a back straight. But when the route proves to be slower and less efficient, our GPS doesn't scream at us, doesn't say, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. It goes rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And Jesus does the same. He provides the way for us and makes a way when there is no way. In Scripture, God does this many notable times. If we continue to read throughout Acts chapter 9, we note Saul's drastic conversion from persecutor of Christianity to the Apostle Paul, preacher and key character in the spread of the gospel. In Exodus, we read about how God corrected Moses' path from murderer to great leader. After he had fled and spent 40 years in the Midian desert, he returned to Egypt to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Finally, and probably most notably, the famous verse, Proverbs 3, verse 6. God promises us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Church, we serve a God who made a way for me, for you, and for us. We serve a God who is both the way of salvation as our saviour and the way of the journey we call life as our mentor. He doesn't stop there, though, does he? When we read John chapter 14, Jesus looks at Thomas in response to his doubt and goes, you know the way, I am the way, but I'm also the truth. Thank you, David. Fancy having to follow that. Never mind. Hey, church, how are you? I'm David, as you probably worked that out by now. So I get the fun job of explaining to you in five minutes what the truth is all about. So let's, let's start, shall we? So hopefully up on the slide will come a dictionary definition of the truth. Somewhere there, anyway. Oh, no, not quite. We'll get there. there it is. There it is. Look at that. So I'm not going to read all that out because that'll take five minutes all by itself. Let's suffice to say that the truth is all about being reliable, accurate, reflecting reality, something we can trust something that never changes. So I believe when Jesus said, I am the truth, he was saying that. He embodies those qualities. He is accurate. He reflects reality. He created it after all. He is reliable. He never changes. As it says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I've just managed to answer in the philosophical question agent, what is truth? We have the gold standard, the platinum standard. Jesus is the truth. His teachings in the Bible are true. We can trust them. So, why is this important, I hear you say? Thank you. Hey, it actually worked. Hey-ho. Okay, so why is it important? Because it underpins everything. In great deference to my other uh, split talkers this morning, the truth is the most important thing because it underpins the way and the life. Sorry, Donna. Sorry, Perry. I just had to steal it. That's right. Okay, but it's true. If we can't trust Jesus, we're in big trouble. Everything we lie on, rely on, everything we preach, everything we sing about, forget it. I just, when it came, my thought this morning I had is, we stop being Christians, we just become Ians. <laughs> because well, we believe in Christ. So it's very important. 
Sorry, you know, I had to just get right here. So it's, it's a, a fundamental truth. Jesus is truth. Fortunately for us, we can trust Christ. We can trust Jesus. He is truth. He never changes. He always has us. And everything he teaches us, we can rely on. And so I had a GPS thing as well. It's a bit like following a GPS. You've got to trust the truth to show you the way. Because if your GPS isn't taking you the right spot, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. So it's very important. The other thing that struck me about these statements is these I am statements of Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, it's the. They're radical. They're out there. They don't give you any room to manoeuvre. It's like C.S. Lewis says. You've either got to take Jesus at his word and say he's Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. In the like of someone who says he's a poached egg, I think C.S. Lewis says in me Christianity. So it's very, it evokes a response. You can't sort of look at what Jesus says and just go, mm. anyway. So the, the religious leaders at the time, they hated Jesus. So much so they wanted to kill him. But those who followed Christ could see something in Jesus that said, hey, this guy is who he says he is. Same as we do 2,000 years later. And they gave their all. However, I did have this vision that it's probably those people, excuse a bit of Monty Python, the little old ladies at the back of the thing saying, oh, the way, the truth, the life, that's nice. What a lovely boy. I'll have to, have to give Mary a ring and say how proud she should be. So they kind of trivialise it all and just skip over what Jesus is saying. And that's not what God's doing. And I have to be honest, there are times in my life when I do the same. I've been to church most of my life, one way or another. I've heard these statements, I don't know, thousands of times, read them out, read them, talked about them, etc. It's easy to go, oh yeah, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life, amen, move on. But I have to stop, because when I stop and think, God is saying he is God incarnate. He is God made man. He's the creator and he loves us. He died for our sins. He set us free. He gives us the truth to live by. I suddenly go, wow. I can't get my brain around it half the time. But when I do, I get those little glimpses and go, wow. You know, that really encourages me and helps me on my walk. So I'd just like to encourage you, when you read these things you've heard them a thousand times, or if they're new to you, take a pause, think about what Jesus is really saying about himself because he demands a response. And the other expression that came, this expression came before Don asked me to preach on the truth, so probably the Holy Spirit, and it was the fact that Jesus is an inconvenient truth. Let's face it, he was inconvenient to religious leaders at the time. They hated him for it, turned their world upside down, really stuffed up their game plan. Same for us. Jesus often, being a Christian, following God, is often an inconvenient truth. In my life, there's been times when it's made me even more different than I normally am. Being that Christian guy, being the guy who goes off to church, you know, when you're at school, when you're at work, it sets you apart. It's inconvenient. It'd be nice sometimes to just go, hey, I'll just go along with popular opinion. I'll just seek out what others want to do and just go with the flow. But you've got to stand for the truth. And sadly, well, not sadly, that's not right. I mean, what makes it even harder is Jesus is full of grace and truth. So Jesus says, follow me, follow my truth, but have grace to those who don't understand who don't love you, who ridicule you. As I get older and grumpier, I find that even really harder and harder. You know, ah, just get with the program, guys, you know, what's going on here? But God says, no, you've got to show those truth and grace and, and be an example. And I can't do that. The only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God working in us, through letting that work out through us. 
So I just hope that you'll be encouraged to realise just how much God loves you and just that we can rely and trust on him. And now I'd like to pass to Donna and she'll finish off the life. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying the message this morning. Isn't it great? I'm so enjoying it myself. And just as Jesus didn't simply say, um, I will show you the way, or he'll, he'll show us the way, but he is the way. And just as he didn't just say, let me tell you some truth, but I am the truth incarnate, he also now presents himself as the life the Greek word for life is Zoe. So that's a lovely name you can call a child because it means to live. <laughs> and uh, it actually means not just the course of a life, but it means the principle of life in the spirit and the soul. The very life force itself, the vital principle that animates living beings. And that is Jesus. He's saying, I am the author of all life, natural, spiritual, and eternal. And I'm going to quickly just mention a few thoughts uh, on, on all of those things. A couple of scriptures about natural life, our Christian worldview. At the beginning of John, we're in John 14, but at the beginning of John in chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1, 15 to 16. He's the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Hebrews 1 verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So when it comes to natural life, the world that we see, the people who, that we are, Jesus is not just the source of all life, but he's saying, I am the Lord of all life. In the fact that it's held together in him. And he sustains it by his word. And sustain just means that you cause something to continue for an extended period of time. And we know Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so we know that when it comes to time, when it comes to the natural world, those things will not come to an end until Jesus' word says so. So then we think of spiritual life. Because when Jesus came, he said to the people of the day, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And he was talking to people who were alive. <laughs> they were alive at the time. So he's here talking about another dimension of life. Not just natural life, but spiritual life. 
back to John 1, a great chapter to read at home um, for yourselves in the full. But he says, it says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light there means spiritual illumination. And so he's the one that illuminates or brings to life what Perry talked about us being dead because of our human nature and the sin that we have been inherited. Our human nature has kept our spirit dead. But he's saying, I am the one who can bring that back to life. And if we're here today and we've acknowledged Jesus as our Savior, he has activated your spirit life within you. And then when we commit our life to him, that activation allows his spirit to come and live in us. And he's that one. You know, a question that I have been asking, well, actually I felt the Holy Spirit ask me many times last year during the COVID season was, what is spiritual, Donna? What is spiritual? It was during a time, I guess, when we're all just rethinking things and how we do things and what we do. And he was sort of pointing out to me that sometimes I've put things on the spiritual totem pole you know I have some things really high up here like maybe prayer like maybe looking after the poor or things up here but I have other things sort of middle range like looking after my family my granddaughter my dad that's just got a spiritual component to it but then I there's other things there like you know cleaning the house um, <laughs> other things I do a lot of in my life that maybe I haven't acknowledged is spiritual but hang on what Jesus is saying, if I am your Lord and Savior, everything you do is spiritual. I want to give you life for everything. You know, don't totem pole things. Don't step out of spiritual mode when you go into looking after your dad or looking after your granddaughter or doing your housework. You know, I can place value on everything that you do and purpose into everything you do. And I can shape your character and I can prepare you in the everyday life. And Jesus is our model for that. Because before he had his ministry, he was in a family and he had a job. And this is the God of our universe. This is the way, the truth and the life. And so we know that those things also have extreme value for us if they had that value for him. The last part is eternal life. Because by far in scripture, if you did a little Bible study and looked up the word Zoe every time it was mentioned, by far the most common use of this word is in reference to eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And what was Jesus' words himself? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Such powerful words. And our word for the year that the Holy Spirit has prompted, uh, given to Ros, was hope. 
You know, hope has its anchor in the future. You know, our faith has its anchor actually in the past because it, it, we have it anchored in a time when we committed our life to Jesus Christ. And that's usually in the past. But hope has its anchor in the future, what's to come. And we can lose our hope when we stop talking about the future. And for us as Christians, we are the ones who can talk about the future with confidence, with excitement. I was talking about this with my dad on Friday. It often comes up. And we were just talking about heaven. And dad's just asking me, and what are we all going to do with our houses? <laughs> what do we all do with all this stuff, you know? And because we're talking about heaven. But when you have those conversations, you can feel your spirit coming alive. You can feel hope rising in your heart. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit has brought that word to the surface. In our youth last year, they had that word. Now he's brought it into our church because he wants hope to rise. And he wants us to remember that our future is secure in him. And our future is Jesus. And so we find ourselves in this amazing position of having access to the way, the truth, and the life. Our Jesus, the one who is the way, he says, that leads us to the Father. One of the most powerful things about that salvation process, I believe, is when you give your heart to Christ and you sense the Father's love. He it's like he takes you, come and see my dad. You have a deposit of love. The scripture says he pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who's made that possible. He's the truth that opens up our understanding. <laughs> Uh, of the Father's heart and his love for us. And then he's the life that breathes that same resurrection life that he has into our fallen and broken beings and by faith and trust in him. I get stunned at, the, uh, at what God actually went to to be known, to be known, to be understood, to be revealed. And here's a person, a wonderful person, Jesus, who's translating for us who God is. You know, you can get overwhelmed when you look at the universe and you think, how my mind cannot comprehend a God who can keep that running or who that was birthed from. But God doesn't want us to be overwhelmed. He sent his son in flesh, to live out the life that we can live too. So we're coming to the close of our service, but this morning we know we've just scratched the surface of the power and the truth of those words. But we all come from hearts that have been awakened by the way, the truth, and the life. And you know, maybe you have lost your way. 
we all can do that, as Perry said, from time to time. Life can be hard. Last year was a difficult year. And we sometimes can feel we've lost our way. <laughs> we let Jesus bring us back on course. You know, maybe you do have questions. You are questioning the truth. I want to remind you this morning that God is not afraid of your questions. You're allowed to ask questions. Go to him and trust him for the answers to those questions. And, but maybe you're just disappointed with life <laughs> or in a moment of disappointment or disillusioned even with life. But I believe Jesus wants to minister to all of us this morning in all of those areas. One thing for me, if things get a little bit off track as a Christian uh, and it's getting a bit complicated... It's getting a bit hard or a little bit disillusioning. I go back and read the Gospels. <laughs> so here's a tip. <laughs> Start in Matthew. <laughs> and I read the Gospels because it reminds me God brings it down to everyday life. And I, I read about Jesus and I really <laughs> admire who he is. How he interacts with people. With love how he calls for the truth, you know, and how he put his own uh, desires or his own welfare um, behind the welfare of others and behind the welfare of us. And so for me, the Gospels is like the rerouting of the GPS that gets me back on track. And I remember that this same person lives in me. And maybe the goal is really just to let him live <laughs> within me, for me to take the, the back steep step and that for his ways to become my ways, for his truth to become my truth and his life to be lived out through me. Um. So that's, sorry, my, I need a tissue. <laughs> Apologise to those watching on the screen for that. <laughs> I get emotional when I talk about Jesus. <laughs> but uh, let me just pray for you this morning. But before I do, you know, if anyone's here, the back half of that powerful verse said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And really, this is a verse that encapsulates Christianity in a nutshell. That Jesus is the way to the Father. And if you're here this morning and you haven't gone on that journey, you haven't decided to make Jesus Christ, um, receive him as the access point to God. You know, receive him as your personal saviour. I want to encourage you this morning around that as well. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer that you can pray in your heart and I'll get everyone to close their eyes. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I'm aware of my own sin and my own separateness from you. And I want to be close to you. I thank you for Jesus. 
who came and died on the cross and dealt with my sin so that I can acknowledge him and draw close to you, my heavenly father. And I choose to do that today. I choose to accept him as my own personal saviour and receive salvation in his name and your love into my life. And then let's continue to pray for all of us this morning, whether we've known Jesus for a long time or a short time. I just pray that God has just encouraged you this morning to reset the way, to reroute, to let his ways become your ways. And that he's right there, that everything you do is spiritual if he's in there with you. Don't leave him in the church building after Sunday, but take him home and let him bring purpose and value into your everyday life. And redefine maybe what spiritual is. And then, you know, for those who are feeling a little bit disappointed in life, I pray you will turn your eyes towards him. That you will realise who lives on the inside of you. And that he will awaken your spirit to life. That he will pour out a fresh wind of his spirit and his life over you this morning as we think about Jesus. And as we lay our lives down again to honour him. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.